Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media. Decisions that used to take weeks are having to be made in hours. So media plans are being put together with less polish. Analysis is more collaborative as they come together and with a sense of urgency to get the job done. So lots of change in approach, but also a lot of reliance on traditional, you know, digital channels that they can act quickly and adjust quickly to. Hello, I'm Gavin Stewart, Marketing Director and Co-Founder of Ashton Media, and your host of the Ashton Cast Digital Marketing Maturity Series, brought to you by our friends at Google Marketing Platform. These are short, sharp stories and solutions to the biggest challenges in marketing, advertising, media, and CX. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and comment and tell anyone that you know that is interested in this industry about this podcast and your favorite episode. You can find AshtonCast on all major podcast players, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Go to ashtonmedia.com.au slash AshtonCast for more info. So I'm here with Barney Pierce, the Director of Google Marketing Technology Platforms for Australia and New Zealand from Google. Barney, how are you this morning? Great. Thanks, Gavin. And thanks for the opportunity to chat with you today. Uh, absolutely, mate. Very, very exciting. And obviously, you know, it's a very, very strange time for everyone at the moment. And, um, you know, and, that, and that's all down to this, this COVID experience that we're going through. So, where were you when you first thought, oh, man, this, this COVID-19 thing is going to be very bad? And, and what made you think that? Well, actually, it was probably around late January. I was notified that we were going to cancel a pretty big conference, a Google conference that my team and I were planning to attend in in Asia um, uh, towards the end of March. And I think it was actually pretty early days back then, but things were escalating pretty quickly. And what I noticed were folks in the know, and we have some you know, great medical folks in our, uh, in our organization, were getting anxious and starting to make big calls even back then. Uh, that's when I thought, well, mm, this, is gonna be, uh, this is gonna be a really challenging time ahead for us. And um, how did that make you feel? Um, you know, I think it's probably from my perspective, um, you know, we were all a bit anxious about what, what was going to happen. But, um, but I think, you know, I think we're all, I've been through the global financial crisis before. So I've had some experiencing weather, weathering through crisis and, um, and ultimately that, that experience has really helped me build resilience and have a bit of a playbook through this. So, I was fine. I think um, just like everyone else, just a bit uncertain and, and anxious about what was going to happen in the future. But um, but hopefully, you know, like like all these things, they, they pass in time and you just got to put your head down and get on with things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, obviously, uh, we're, we're putting our heads down and, and getting on with things from, from a very different location. So, a lot of people are working from home now. How long have you been working from home for? So I've been working home for, for about eight weeks, um, eight weeks now, like most people probably. Uh, but I, I consider there's two distinct periods of working from home. There's the period when kids were still at school, which was kind of pleasant and and also a novel experience for all of us for staying home for that long. Um, but then there's a period when kids were at home, and that was certainly a more challenging time, but also you know really rewarding in many ways. So it's such an interesting balancing act having having kids, uh, you know homeschooling whilst you're working from home like what a what a what a challenging time it has been to kind of you know to balance that out 
So obviously we're, we're all in hibernation at the moment, which is a strange experience in and of itself. But what, what are you missing the most? Well, I think from, from a work perspective, it's probably just the vibe and energy of the office and, um, and, and feeling a little bit more connected to, to my entire team. You know, uh, I, I love, I kind of enjoy walking around the office and bugging folks face to face on things I really need help with. I know it's probably annoying for them, but I'd much prefer that than a constant stream of pings. So probably that uh, from a work perspective, I think Personally, it's just the simple things like stopping off for a drink or bite to eat after work with a few mates at at short notice. Um, so it's great to be able to start doing some of these things as as restrictions relax. So those are some of the things I miss, but really small things. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's funny not being able to go out to a restaurant. It's just it's just bizarre to not be able to have these little things, you know, that, that we that we really come to treasure. So um, what are the most immediate differences that you've seen in the in the marketplace after COVID-19? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I try to look at this from a positive perspective. I think there's been lots of people and organizations that have really adapted quickly and stepped up to improve the situation and I think be more helpful for customers as well as the broader community. And that's what I've been really interested and excited about. Um, you know, across YouTube and search, we're seeing new trends in consumer behavior in Australia and New Zealand and, and also worldwide. People are turning to technology more than ever to maintain social connections. They're also discovering new hobbies. Search activities like to do at home have spiked on YouTube. Um, we've seen massive rises in content where creators are inviting people to join them, you know, with cook with me and work out with me. And What's also happened is brands have really adjusted to be more helpful and be there for their customers. I mean, some examples, you know, I saw, you know, Woolworths and Coles prioritize community needs by offering boxes of meals and snacks and essential items with free delivery for people with disabilities, seniors and other folks in mandatory isolation. They also adjusted their hours for seniors and healthcare workers to make sure everyone could shop safely. And a lot of this has been communicated quickly through technology as well as having a strong online presence during this time. You saw things like Bunnings introduce, companies like Bunnings introduce a drive and collect service so customers can stay safely inside their cars while employees go about and uh, deliver the orders. I mean, all in all, I suppose it's um, people and organizations have really come together and I think Technology has been a helpful enabler to keep everyone connected, keep them productive, and most importantly, keep them in the know. Yeah, I think there's been a really, really interesting, a great sense of community that's been fostered that we haven't really seen, um, I, I don't think. And I think, um, you know, it, it, the way that technology has been able to facilitate this this community so that we can all, all give and share and stay connected has, has been absolutely brilliant. Um, but before you, you mentioned um, that, you know, you, you work through the GFC. Now, obviously, it's a different kettle of fish, but, you know, have you seen uh, anything similar to these changes, uh, even in smaller scales? Yeah, I think from an emotional perspective, obviously, being around and through 9-11 was from probably more emotional um, like, like this. Uh, I think from a business perspective, the GFC was probably the closest thing I've, I've had to this experience. You know, I was actually managing the financial services sector during the time and 
working in New York for some of that period, which was the epicenter of the financial crisis, oh, really. Gosh, that would have been challenging. Wow. <laughs> yeah, very challenging. You know, budgets and jobs were slashed. My customers were on the front page of every newspaper. It's probably the most challenging time in my career, trying to help customers and my own team really navigate through this crisis. Yeah, it's incredible to to have the opportunity to have at least, you know, a, a small snifter of what we're going through now. Who do you think in the marketplace has shown to be well prepared or or rapidly adapted to this shift? Yeah, look, I think, you know, I've been really impressed. Lots of organizations have quickly adapted to be more helpful um, to their customers and the broader community. A couple of examples that come to mind. Um, you know, we saw beauty brand Mecca roll out virtual services like personalized consultations over video chat um, to reward customer loyalty at a time when planes were kind of largely grounded. Qantas extended all their frequent flyer mile status by 12 months. All the banks, I think, reacted quickly to provide advice, uh, relief and support for customers. I mean, e- even organizations like Maya, they relaxed return policies and reduced the threshold for free delivery. Lots of great examples like that um, uh, that we've seen um, showing that you know organizations are close to the user and close to changing consumer behavior and setting the right tone and being helpful during this time, which I think is has been impressive. Again, I guess that that goes back to you know organisations being part of the greater community, and you know. But I think we'll switch gears here a little bit, and and let's let's talk about digital marketing maturity. So, what what role has digital marketing maturity played in coping with this crisis? Do you think? Well, look, I think frameworks that we use to assess digital marketing maturity they've they've really helped businesses make more sense of complexity in digital marketing. So knowing where they sit with their tech and data utilization and capability. And knowing what good looks like helps organization really align on, on a longer-term roadmap, digital roadmap, and what they need to get there. Um, so it's really helpful in any time. But the reality is that um, most organizations are at very different stages of digital maturity. And what we've seen during this time is that most continue to work on important initiatives to advance. But what's changed is the pace at which things are getting done. And in some cases, a reprioritization of that work, depending on the impacts of COVID on their business. You know, for example, industries with extreme disruption are really getting back to the basics, like upgrading measurement infrastructure or improving mobile user experience. These are important infrastructure they need in place to be set up for success when businesses bounce back. Um, They're also leveraging automation, for example, scaling order bidding functionality. And this is really helping them not only um, take advantage of rapid changes in volatility of search and browsing behavior, but also to be more efficient, right? You know, I mean, manually trying to adjust in these times is pretty difficult. So, you know, that's one category. But for others in this crisis, it's created a lot of opportunity to actually accelerate their digital maturity agenda, especially for those organizations that weren't quite e-commerce ready and they've really had to step up their game uh, at this point. I think, you know, the reality is 
consumers are spending significantly more time on digital media because of social distancing and working from home. It's really important for brands to be able to engage with consumers in a meaningful, personalized manner while also maintaining the right tone at these times and having the data and tech capabilities to integrate these real-time insights and trends into your marketing and being nimble enough to act on these insights across departments has been really crucial. Yeah, obviously, you know, data is is the backbone for for being able to to be nimble and, and, and make swift changes. So what are some of the more advanced data-driven organizations doing now? Well, a few things we're seeing. Firstly, they're diligently staying on top of emerging trends and their customer data and have agile teams who can nimbly act on these trends across their departments. You know, secondly, customers with a unified data strategy and more holistic view of customers across channels, they're using these insights to pivot focus and resources quickly to channels based on that shifting customer demand where they can be most helpful. Thirdly, they're leveraging automation. Fourthly, they have data-driven creative messaging in place. And fifth, they have strong measurement and measurement fundamentals. And um, obviously, Google is one of the largest organizations in the world. So what are Google's marketing teams doing to respond? Well, it's interesting. A lot of folks ask us about what our own marketing team's doing. It's not surprising. They're, they're a pretty savvy, savvy team. I think, you know, in speaking to the marketing team, uh, there's a few things that, that they've called out. I mean, the current situation has forced our marketing teams to be even more driven by what people need right now rather than broadcast to them in a predefined moment we choose. They're also um, really tapping into consumer trends. They're looking at search and YouTube trends every day to identify what people are leaning into at this time. Um, and you know they're leveraging digital marketing more than ever because they can act at speed and rely on fast and transparent reporting that actually digital channels you know, provide and promise. We've leaned in much more heavily into proven direct response channels and tactics where we can see, track, and measure return on investment with immediacy. And then finally, you know, like all of us, decisions that used to take weeks are having to be made in hours. So media plans are being put together with less polish, Analysis is more collaborative as they come together and and, um, with a sense of urgency to get the job done. So lots of change in approach, um, but also a lot of reliance on traditional, you know, digital channels that they can act quickly and adjust quickly to. I think one of my favorite sayings through all of this is, done is better than perfect. That's that's right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And again, trust your gut instinct and experience um, and, you know, be open to testing um, because you're not going to get everything right this time. Well, we, we've never had this time before, have we, Barney? It's, it's certainly certainly an interesting one, mate, that's for sure. And so, what would you say Google's recommendations for digital marketers are today? Look, I think obviously the crisis is impacting our customers in different ways. Um And any recommendations really have to address specific challenges that a business faces. That being said, um, most organizations are experiencing unprecedented change, including significant shifts in consumer behavior. And most will need to get more out of less marketing dollars. That's probably a fact. 
So a few things we consider as folks who are evaluating their digital marketing and sort of trying to adapt to the dynamic conditions. I think I've mentioned this before from our own marketing teams, but um, you know, from some of the more advanced customers, stay on top of consumer data and market trends to keep up with and take action on these shifting consumer behaviors. You know, this is not just about harnessing your first party data, but also tools like Google Trends, which is a free tool that provides access to actual search requests um, across search and YouTube and shopping. It's a great way to really explore what the world's searching for in real time. The second thing I'd recommend is measure and invest responsibly. You know, even in tough times, you should ensure you're investing responsibly and therefore you should not stop measurement. Do things like creative pre-testing, for example. It's, a, an, it's, it's really important that you understand how your ads are being perceived tonally, especially during times like these. Lean into attribution models. That's going to give you a deeper understanding of how your ads are performing and help you decide on where you're going to allocate your marketing investment across the journey. You know, maybe your online videos on YouTube are having a bigger impact on sales during these times than other media. And, you know, for some, potentially if you're having to scale back some campaigns and marketing efforts, this could be a perfect time to invest in planning and upgrading your analytics infrastructure, which will set you up for success when things bounce back. The other recommendation, you know, we're making is just you should be squeezing more out of your tech. The reality is most customers aren't leveraging the full potential of the tech they use. And I mean, now's as good a time as any to do so. So really lean in on your partners and your agencies and tech providers like Google for best practices and playbooks. Um, they've got lots, lots in these sort of dynamic times. Just a few examples of the things kind of we're recommending. You know, using automated bid strategies, right? Whether you're using Search Ads 360 or Display Ad Video Ads 360, Things like automated bid strategies are built so that you can more effectively react to data volatility and sudden changes in demand. You've got to use things like data-driven creatives so you can tailor the look and feel of ads based on other signals as dates, time, and geography, as I mentioned before, adjusting call-to-actions based on whatever um, restrictions are in place. And of course, take advantage of new features uh, in these tools that help improve efficiency for campaigns. Uh, an example, we just improved frequency management for programmatic guarantee deals in DV360. And that, that provides a better user experience, but also less waste for advertisers. I think the final thing we're recommending for folks to have a little bit of downtime um, or you know they're working from home is learn some new skills. You know, as we adjust to new ways of working, online education can play a big part in helping us, you know, develop new skills. And Google and a lot of others have great resources available. For example, Google Skillshop and certainly one called Analytics Academy is a great resource. So these are some of the things we're recommending uh, among many others. Fantastic. And this is a brilliant time to, to learn some new skills and uh, pick up some new facts from, from fantastic podcasts as well. As a Google leader, Barney, what, what are your recommendations for other leaders in the industry right now? Yeah, I think keep focused on what matters most to your organization. Have clear prioritization for your teams. I'm, I'm doing that on a regular basis, just making sure, you know, some people at home have limited bandwidth. Um, they're adjusting to their different work schedules. So 
ensuring everyone has very clear prioritization uh, goals over the last you know, couple of months has been really important. The other thing I think is resist the urge to focus on short-term or only short-term KPIs. You might be tempted to change some of your long-term KPIs to focus on short-term KPIs, but I think it's still important to invest for the longer term. If you've had to pull back on some campaigns, for example, potentially use this time to put in place structural upgrades to like your analytics capabilities. The other thing I'd say is focus on learning rather than getting everything right. Try experiments that's going to help you learn. And in this pretty chaotic period, you'll also need to trust your instincts and experience. Speed is going to matter. There's less time to review. So you're going to have to make the best call you have probably sooner rather than uh, later in terms of being comfortable. And I think the final thing is the silver lining, you know, in this is that leading through periods of really extreme complexity helps us prepare for a future, I think, that's more multidimensional, that's fast-paced, that's more automated. It was certainly the case for me going through the global financial crisis. I feel like I have a better playbook and much higher level of resilience to navigate through crisis, which I'm grateful for now, really, despite it being a very challenging time in my career. We're, uh, we're going to switch it up a little bit here, Barney. It's uh, time for a few rapid-fire questions. Are you ready, sir? Yes. Excellent. So, who would you look up to as a mentor or role model or muse for your own digital guidance? Um, not as a mentor, but certainly someone I look to for thought leadership. I've always admired Eric Schmidt, who's a former Google CEO, is a pretty good thought leader in the space. I try to read up on most things he publishes. What books, podcast, media are you consuming right now that's that's helping you with your digital education, but also for your clients? Uh, I mean, g- generally, I listen to the Wall Street Journal, Tech News Briefing on the way to work. Um, it's a great podcast. But it's pretty US-focused, but good short summary of big things happening in tech. But uh, I'm also knee-deep in reading submissions from various marketing players who have um, um, submitted in, in response to the Ad Tech Inquiry Issues paper. It's really interesting to see who submitted responses and their positions on a, on a number of important topics we need to address as an industry. What's the trend that you are most excited about in digital? I'm excited about the opportunities that advances in analytics, cloud technology, and machine learning are really opening up for marketers. I think we're really in the early stages of leveraging the full capabilities of these technologies. And I'm really excited to see further product development and, and more use cases in these areas. That uh, leads us very nicely into question number four. What are your thoughts on AI in uh, both marketing and beyond? I think, you know, machine learning and marketing is going to help us better predict marketing outcomes, but also enable us to do more with less data, which is going to help us in a a privacy-focused kind of world. Beyond marketing, I'm really optimistic about the future of AI to help both empower people and transform lots of industries and think it's going to benefit future generations a lot. That being said, I also think it needs some oversight given what could potentially go wrong with this technology. And we've seen that with deep fakes and expansive facial recognition programs. So really excited about the potential, but still needs oversight for us. So one more question and then you're off the hook, mate. Um, If you could tell someone 10 years ago one interesting thing about how digital would turn out now, what would it be? 
don't know whether this would be interesting, but uh, I'd say go and start up or invest in a ride-sharing app immediately. I mean, who would have thought ride-sharing company would be worth about $50 billion 10 years ago? No one. I tell you what, Barney, that's actually very interesting. If you had have told me that 10 years ago, I think a few things would have been a little bit different, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Barney Pierce, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for your time and uh, I look forward to catching up for a beer on the other side. Great. Thanks, Gavin. And thanks for having me today. I really enjoyed it. On the next episode of the Ashton Cast Digital Marketing Maturity Series, we'll be playing the full interview with Janet Renola, Paid Media Manager of Search and Programmatic at Koala.com. Stay tuned. The Ashton Cast Digital Marketing Maturity Series was proudly brought to you by our friends at Google Marketing Platform. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, comment, and tell anyone that you know that is interested in this industry about this podcast and your favorite episode. This series was produced by Podpaste and Ashton Media here in Sydney, Australia. Executive produced by Gavin Stewart and Kira Walter. Supervising producer, Darren Lake. Audio production, sound design and engineering by Eamon Connolly. Story writing producer, Charles Montano. And podcast management by Michelle Lee. Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media.